You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. of your word is the reason of your inspiration. The same way we decree and declare this morning that your word comes without contradiction. It comes without controversies and it comes without errors of judgment. It shall be precise, it shall be accurate, it shall be edifying as you are glorified. We submit to your word and in that we bear fruit to bring glory to your name in this kingdom alongside the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Living heaven on earth, part 60. We all know that this is our, our vision statement as a church. And very soon, we will be six years old. Next month, we're six years. And... I decided to teach on this because we must have an understanding of who we are and where we are going as a church. Now we know that living heaven on earth has nothing to do with cars, money, status, and all the things that we regard as the big deals of life. Living heaven on earth is living like Christ on earth. Praise God. Oh, praise God. And so we are going to go the next level in this. So I can bring us up to speed to the fact that whatever we have been called to do and to live is authentic. And it has 
nothing that can compare to it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the so we are to make what? Disciples. But a two is the word. And it means you're a trainee. See, I'm a trainee. See, I'm an apprentice. All right. So we are to make. See, I am to be made. Say it like you mean it. I am to be made. All right. So what it means is that you can never say that you want to do what you like and still be made. You have to be made. It means you are not yet. Somebody must make you. Somebody must form you. But the beautiful thing about this is that when you receive Christ, you have been positioned and wired and programmed in the finished work. So as a matter of fact, as you sit down, Christ has finished whatever he started with you. But your mind has to come to that place so that it can agree with what your spirit has been made. Praise God. And that is where the training is. That's where the training is. So you are trained into what you have already been made. You are trained into what you have already been made by the finished work of Christ. Otherwise, the training cannot be possible. Yes, it cannot be possible. So I quite remember somebody called me and a pastor. That was several years ago and he wanted me to teach his church choir. And they had a lot of money. A lot of money. You know. So they were ready to give everything for me to do that. But to do that, I will need choir members who can sing. For them to be trained to sing, they must first have the talent to what? To sing. So I agreed and I started. But I realized that out of the numbers that was given me, it's about only two who have the talent. So, it is only two that can be trained because they already have been wired to sing. No matter what I do, the rest cannot be trained 
because they have not been made. Are you getting it? Is that very clear? So you can only train people to become what they have already been made. So the two have the ability to understand or hear melody. We call it musical ears. And they have a certain vocal ability. But the rest, when I say do, they will say do. How do you train them? They don't have it. The reason why you and I can become the best of God is because when you received Christ, you were made like God. So you were made like God. You have the God wiring what? In you. And therefore you can be trained to be like God. To live like God. Is it quite clear? But there are people too who are very difficult to train. Although they have been wired with a talent, their pride leads them. As a matter of fact, before the teacher says, they know what the teacher is going to say. You know that people who can easily get lost are the people who are actually asking where to go, yet in their mind, they already decided where to turn. They would always be lost. And they are difficult to train. So anytime you see somebody who has turned out as a good master, through apprenticeship, they submitted to apprenticeship. They submitted. They follow their master. What it means is that they allow their master to always go ahead. Their, their master's counsel becomes their life and their living. What it means is that they take what their master says so seriously. And nothing is more stronger than what has been told them by their master. Yeah. 
First Peter 3, 15 to 16. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So there is a defense of our faith. But it can be defended by those who were apprentices and have gone through training and have become good students. They have become people who have sat under the feet of their master and they have listened, they have done, they have walked through. I always give an example of people going through school. But the school doesn't go through them. So you will be questioned about your faith in several ways. The credibility of your faith, the authenticity of your faith, which will definitely also be the authenticity of your life. Because we live our faith. What we believe is what we live. So the extension of our faith would always be seen in our lives. And we will be questioned. But how can we defend it? It is because we have gone through. Say, I have to go through. Having a good conscience. That when they defame you as evildoers. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Amazing. You've heard of this musician who passed. His name is Lucky Dube. How many of you have heard of him? How many of you? You've heard of Lucky Dube. Okay. Lucky Dube said that the holy book says that when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. But in this world, it is not so. In this particular text or quote I agree with Lucky Dube I don't think he's trying to say that what the holy book is saying is wrong he's saying that when you stand for the truth you will face persecution 
I'm sure maybe his understanding of being free is so earthly. And that's how most of us understand freedom. Because so far as we live the truth, and we don't face any problem and we live in comfort, then we think in our minds that the, the truth has set us what? Free. Or maybe people say things against you that are not true. And then later, it is found out that, oh, it's not true. Then the truth has what? Set you free. No. The truth setting you free actually speaks to your nature than the results of what comes out. Hundred dollars is hundred dollars. Whether you use it or not, whether you step on it or not, it is still what? hundred dollars. That is the truth. And that truth is what sets it free. It's in its nature. Is that very clear? If you use it, it will benefit you. If you don't use it, it won't benefit you. But it doesn't change the fact that a $100 bill is a $100 bill. So, whether you stand for the truth and you are abused or not, it doesn't change the fact. Because your freedom is in who you are. As a matter of fact, when you are changed from being you because of the effect of being you, there's a question mark about you. It means you have become a confused species. Am I confusing you this morning? That's why Peter says, our good conduct in Christ attracts evildoers. It does not always take you to what the world say they thought. That's why Abel was killed, yet came lived. And yet, God recognized what? Abel. He lived in truth. Although he died, he had the approval of God. That is true freedom. See, that is true freedom.
Look at Matthew 5, 17 to 21. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one iot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Everybody read with me. Go. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, they shall be called great. Can you see the merits are different? Can you see that the merits are different? Can you see that? How the earth judges. And how God judges is different. So God wants to live his judgment on earth. And not by the dictates of the judgments of the world. In other words, our culture as Christians will always counter the culture of the world. Twenty, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter what? The kingdom of God. So there is a righteousness. It comes by the righteousness of Christ. By the righteousness of Christ, we enter the kingdom. We are made so. And when we are made so, we, are be, we now have the wiring so we can be trained to become so. Jesus called his disciples and said, follow me, I will do what? I'll make you, I'll make you, I'll make you, I'll make you fishers of men. Praise God. So you must know that you are made. Say, I am made. Say, I am in the process. Every day I am in the process. I am growing in what I have been made. Praise God. How many of you would have disciples that you want that they already make? How many of you? You tell them to sit. No, they sit. Tell them, come to church. They are coming. Oh, how many of you would love that? Yes. True. But it's a wish. It's a wish. But it's not possible. So we go through training. So we go through training to live the full potential of who we have been made. Okay? You don't even call them to pray. You don't call them to come to church. You don't tell them to listen to the audios or to give. No. It's a good desire. But it's not plausible. It's not. So you are a work in progress. But you also know 
that God has an agenda with you on this earth. Praise God. That's why Jesus did not teach like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. No. He would always speak to us becoming like him because he would make us so. And that's what his death, burial, and resurrection did for you and I. Look at 1 John 1, 1 to 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which the Father was manifested to us. And that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Who is he writing to? His disciples. And he's showing them the authenticity of their faith. What we are telling you is not just spiritual. It's historical. It's something that has happened. Our eyes have seen. Our ears have heard. Our hands have handled. So if you want evidence of our faith, we have evidence. Oh, praise God. So it is not a fluke. Now he says, what we have seen, heard, and handled, because you have believed our evidence, you have become like one of us. And we have fellowship together with you. And whatever benefits we have, you also have the same. Praise God. We have the same benefits. And we have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a union. But you can only have good understanding in all of these benefits when you have been trained. Say, when you have been trained. When you have been schooled. So when you run away from training, which sometimes can be daunting, you are running away from being used in relevance. <laughs> when you run away from training, you are running away from being used in relevance. You will lose relevance. You will lose relevance. So Jesus trained his disciples. He taught them to serve. He taught them how to show compassion. He sent them to go buy food. 
eating food. So remember John chapter 4, right? With the woman at the well. They went to buy food, came, saw that he was talking with a woman. He sent them to go and buy food, even food. They sent him back. How to secure auditorium. He told them go and ask for the upper room where they were going to have the Lord's Supper. He told them, even go and, 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 and borrow a donkey. He taught them. How to prepare the Lord's Supper. He taught them. He taught them. They were trained in all of these. And it was physical. Say it was physical. It was not on the internet. Most of us now love internet worship, internet sermon. You cannot be trained well. Let your family or your dad or your mom train you on the internet. Nobody can go through proper training. It must be personal. Say it must be personal. So, Mark 16, 15 to 18, he sent them to go out, go into all the world, preach the gospel to, the na- to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. Amen. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink, if, if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. All of these are progressively from the Old Testament. They are languages that are borrowed from the Old Testament. How am I transitioning into this? Because the disciples were trained even their language showed where they had their training. They were using the words for which they have been taught by their master. Is that very clear? They were speaking like him. When he said, these signs shall follow believers. Where is he picking them? Where where are they picking it from? Exodus. Exodus. When Moses had to take the, uh, the Israelites through Egypt. And they had to be given signs. And the signs followed them. Even through the wilderness. The signs were following them. Are you here with me? All right, so even the language those who believe the church 
is the word ecclesia, called out. It's the same, it's an exodus language, called out from Egypt. They were called out. So the church, we are called the called out ones. Those that have been taken out of bondage. Are you getting it? They're called out to be on a journey to God's holy land of promise. And that holy land of promise is in the earth. Was not in heaven somewhere. True of all. Oh, true of all. Was Canaan a country they were to go to? Eh? Yes. So the mandate of the believer has not changed. Listen to me very carefully. When people come and they are speaking their own revelation, they are speaking their own mind. It tells you that they have not been trained well. Canaan was in the earth. God has called you to the earth. Your ministry is in the earth. Did you hear that? Say, my ministry is in the earth. I live heaven on this earth. So don't be in a haste. To go to heaven. You are to bring heaven here where? On earth. That is God's agenda for the earth. That who he is will be seen on this earth through you. And when he comes, he's going to come on the earth. <laughs> so before you think of going to heaven, ask yourself, are you God's representative on this earth? So the church is always on a journey. The gathering keeps moving. We keep saving souls. Until the day. Until that day. When all has come into full completion. So, training will make you know that the New Testament and the Old Testament are together. Say the New Testament and the Old Testament are together.
That's why Jesus never said his opinion when he came on this earth. He's a good apprentice. So the first thing he did was to go talk and ask questions. He was taught as well. So Jesus was a student of Moses. He quoted Moses. He referenced Moses. Are you here with me? God was taught by men. And he quoted them. He quoted David. He quoted Isaiah. He quoted Jeremiah. He quoted all of them. He never gave his own private interpretation of scripture. Never. 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 As a matter of fact, if you look at the word logos, it is taken from the word dabar. Logos actually is, you all know, in the beginning was what? The word. The word was with God. The word there is the word logos, logic. It was actually taken from the word dabar, which is the word of the Lord. The Hebrew word dabar. So everything within the old and the new come together and they have been trained. So there's consistency. Say there's consistency. That's why when you pick other books of religion, there's a lot of inconsistency. Why is it so? It's because one man sits down and says, as for me, this is what God has shown me. So this is the way we are going. Christianity is not like that. That's a rebel right there. Are you hearing me? That's a rebel. So you see, don't fellowship with rebels. Don't take the word of rebels. You must ask them, where are you coming from? Who taught you? Who schooled you? Is that very clear? So you see, the Christian faith Gives you a basis, a foundation. And so he picks you from Moses, first five books, and takes you through. You know, Joshua, Judges, you know. So you go through and systematically you come to Matthew. So you see, the Bible was put together to recognize the consistency of prophecies their fulfillment, and the teaching that we have to live within these prophecies and their fulfillment. It's not like somebody just sleeping, waking up. Say, ah, I saw. God has come. Every prophecy was confirmed by another. They all went through scrutiny. So, 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 so you must get this clear. The faith cannot change. 
Because God does not change. Write this down. There are languages that, are, that were used, we call them the codified language. Everybody write it down. The codified language. I think I left it so that you can have a very good grasp of it and then write it clearly. I don't want you to miss one word. A codified language is when a writer seeks to interpret another book Rather than quoting that book verbatim, reduces its content into phrases, sentences, paragraphs, expecting the reader of the latter book to keep reading the former book. The codified language means I must keep reading two books together as I am reading the interpretation I refer to the interpreter. I'm referring to the New Testament and what? The Old Testament. Now, what it means is this. The codified language is to do a shorter version of a bigger book. So the New Testament is an explanation in a shorter version of the Old Testament. <laughs> so when you want to go and see how Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 to 12, so I'll give you an example. So Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church. He spares the letter to them. And look at what he says. Now these things became our example. What are these things? If you go back, you will see that he enumerated how the Israelites were taken out of Egypt. And in the wilderness, certain things they did that they shouldn't do. He didn't write everything. He shortened it. So if you want to see all that they did, when you get into the Old Testament, you will see everything that they did there. Is that very clear? So you see, the person who is reading the New Testament, who wants to have a full narration of the story, would have to now reference the Old Testament. 
Is that very clear? But then what he picks as salient is that he has picked the important lesson that must be learned from what happened in the Old Testament to bring them to their attention. That this is what they did and these are the consequences that follow what they did. Is that very clear? So don't do what they did so that the consequences will also come to you. Is that very clear? Have I really made myself clear? So watch what he said. To the intent that we should not last after what? Evil things as they lasted. So he said, these things became our what? Our what? Our what? What do you do with example? You learn from them. You learn from them. You learn from them. And we're going to go into it. Can you see that they are not, he's not just talking about how Christ died. He's talking about the life, the living of the Corinthian church. Is that correct? So here is not in reference to Christ dying, Christ resurrecting. Yes, Christ died, Christ resurrected. In Christ's death and resurrection, there's a life to live. And in living this life, don't do things like they did. That brought certain consequences for them. Is that very clear? So, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Please, don't look at playing there and say, oh, my brother, if you go to play, it's idolatry. If you're an African, you understand. The girls will say, I'll schedule. Before idols, they are singing, they are dancing, they are drumming. Are you getting the point? Yes. I, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about just playing. And people now say football. When you watch football, you're not going to go to heaven. Please. We have not gotten there yet, I beg you. <laughs> Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Not, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by what? Serpents. All of these are what? Examples of things that happened in the Old Testament. Okay, so now let me tell you so you understand. You see that he talked about idolaters. Okay, and they're singing and playing. Okay, now in their culture, as they are worshiping gods, there are things also they do before the gods, like having sex. So they have sex and all. So it's part, and they call it, it's like temple worship before their gods. And so you see, that's what he's actually referencing to. Are you getting the point? So they are actually doing all of this in worship to gods. 
Okay? That's what we call orgies and all of those things. A woman, uh, three women, four women coming together. Orgies. And so it's all part. It's part. Yes. And they faced destruction. Okay. That's why he said, watch. Now, he's gone ahead. I'm, I'm still explaining something. So I thought you stay there with me. Okay. Yes. So then he said, no, let us tempt who? Christ, as some of them also did what? Tempted and were destroyed. You remember what happened? Yes. So what it is is that they were actually not in worship of God. They were actually unbelievers. Worshipping idols. And it showed in their lifestyle. We don't belong there. This is not our life. This is not how we live. Don't live like people who were called to be of God, yet they rejected God and they were living anyhow. That's not you. Say, that's not me. Say, like you mean it. Say, like you mean it. Continue. Nor complain, as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So you see who destroyed them? The destroyer, not God. <laughs> not God. Sometimes I don't know how they read the Bible. Not God. So what it means is that they gave what? For the enemy to play. Like I told you, choices are there. You can change your choices, but you can't change the consequences. You can only change the consequences when you have changed what? Your choice. Simple. So don't bring God into it. Don't bring God into it. Make the choice. It comes with its own consequence. The designer who designed your dress did not design it that you put acid on it. He actually rather had it in mind that because he wants you to enjoy the dress, don't put acid what? On it. That is his intention. Just like God, God's intention is that he wants you to live well. So he actually made things in such a way that he will show you what to do to live well. And then he will show you what not to do so that you will not be affected in the negative way. Is that very clear? So when you do what he has asked you not to do and you are affected is not because his intention is that he wants to destroy you. No. That's not it. In the mind of the designer, all that he was doing was to rather protect you and make you enjoy the product that he has made. Is that clear? Okay, so watch what he says. 
So he says, now all these things, please, everybody, let's read, go. All these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for what? Very important. For what? For our encouragement. I, so he's encouraging them. He's not condemning them. For our encouragement so that we can live the purpose of our calling. Praise God. Upon whom the ends of the ages have what? So you see the ends of the ages have already come. Why? What's happening? The end of the ages, you see, have already come. So when you say the last days are coming, when? You are going to see 666 on your forehead. You know, when people saw my number and they see 666, the last day. Pastor, this your number. First, I used to say, oh, don't worry, I wash it with the blood. Now I know better. What has 666 got to do with a number? Because you're expecting something to come. A certain figure. Hollywood has shown you. Say the end of the ages have come. So the day Christ died, and Christ resurrected. The end came. So don't expect any last day. What's the rumors of war? You start a war. If it did happen. When again are you expecting? So wars have been there. Even Jesus' time. Even in the Old Testament where there are no wars. It's lack of understanding. Were there no earthquakes there? So you are waiting to see earthquakes. But they are coming every time. Oh, Ariana, because you saw earthquake. No. The day Christ came and died and resurrected, that was the last kingdom. And now we are in the kingdom that has no end. So when you receive Christ, you live in the eternal kingdom. Oh, praise God. <laughs> you live in the eternal kingdom. The spirit in you, the Holy Ghost, is an eternal spirit. So we live the eternal life. That's what I'm talking to you about. The eternal life is a life we live. You see, the God we serve has a life. He showed us that life in Christ. So the eternal spirit in you, there's a conduct, a life that goes with it. 
Praise God. So he says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's a big one. Tread cautiously. Don't think you have arrived. You are still in training. Everybody say, I am still in training. Don't act like you have arrived. Okay, that's why Apostle Paul would now talk to us and say, in Galatians 6, he says, when you see a brother fall, those of you who have been able to master in that area, help him to do what? Stand. You don't go. And he says, even as you do so, be careful so that you yourself, you don't fall. That's the first thing. Okay. So, so you, as a matter of fact, as we walk in this, we must have the good understanding that we do it with that same heart that Christ does it. So anytime, you see, Christ is not fallible. You know that. Yes, it's not fallible. But when he's treating people who have fallen in a certain thing, he treats them like a fallible person. That's how God treats humanity. That's how God. He would have descended on us. So you see, you don't use your spirituality against people. You use your spirituality to help them. It is all part of how Christ, the eternal spirit in us, is. That is his nature. Praise God. So Paul is telling them, as you take my admonition, don't do it as bullies. Do it in such a way that you encourage one another. You help one another to stand. Praise God. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 8 to 10. Everybody go. Oh, everybody, go. Do I say these things what? So Paul is telling, you see, he's bringing them to speed regarding who they are. Say, I'm not a mere man. I live in this body, on this earth, but I am not of this earth. I am to use who I am in Christ, the eternal spirit, to make God represented here on earth. So it's not about going about saying, do you know me? Me, I'm not a mere man. Shay, you? No. That's not the spirit. That's not. Watch what he says. 
Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox which it treads out the grain. While it treads out the grain, is it oxen God is concerned about? Continue for me. For what? Read like you know. Everybody. So he's saying it all together for what? Our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he who plows should plow in hope. And he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. So everything, what is happening here, Paul is actually quoting the pattern. Right from Genesis, when God said, man should have dough over the best of the year, over the... So what it is is that when Moses was speaking, he was not speaking because of ozens. He was actually speaking because of man. So whatever he said to be done, its application is for man. So he's actually speaking to the fact that God is not that interested in the animals you are treating well. He says, treat your brother well. If you can't treat your brother well and you are treating animals well, you have missed God. A brother is hungry. Truly hungry, he's in need. And you have to help him. You're taking your dog to the veterinary. And you are paying a whopping amount of money. And you are looking at them with bluff and smile. And then you are kissing the dog. <laughs> We have lost priorities. Why? Because for us who know the way, don't even understand the way to live the way. It's pathetic. We have lost that. Some of you, you know your hope. You sit here, the vision you have is to get a job with the UN. That's your vision. And then be an expert. Somewhere. Let me give a very nice place. Eh? Switzerland. So you've been dreaming to go to Switzerland. You see, I caught you. <laughs> okay. So let's take his Switzerland. And then... Early in the mornings, you have your dog. And you're going on a walk. You get vision. <laughs> you get vision. And when I see them, it's so beautiful. It's so nice. That's your vision.
Praise God. There are certain things that are good. But like Paul will say, they are not important. Praise God. We pursue that which is what? Important. The priority. Okay. For example, we heard of somebody who was, I mean, they said they cook well, they, they want to what? Uh, beat the, uh, the world's record, the Guinness Book of Record, cook well. So they cooked four days, they were standing cooking. And the believer said, that's fine. That's great. But you see, some of, look, watch, watch this. I'm not condemning it. And please put it on record. I'm not. But what I'm saying is this, that we may see this as so important and so powerful. And it's a witness to the gospel. But it is not. It is not. Because an unbeliever can break that record. How many souls would this win for Christ? Tell me. So you see how we're able to lose focus and we are distracted easily. Yes. Okay. We are distracted very easily. And very soon, you see, a Christian makes this their vision. Yeah, and this is what they want to, they want to break this. Listen to me. They are good. But there are needs that are to be met. Souls to be saved. Our priority. Praise God. So Paul says, we have sown spiritual things for you. Is it great thing if we reap mat your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? So you know what Apostle Paul was talking about? Yes, because the Corinthian church were very stingy. I didn't say you were stingy. Okay, yes. But he was opening them up to the fact that a laborer deserves their so you can be a Christian worker, a Christian employer, and you are cheating people on their wages. It is not a true representation of Christ. Okay. Where humanity is not on your heart to see them do well, to see them walk in dignity. That's why we've been called to dignify humanity. Through projection, the projection of Christ. Amen. So Paul throws in this, although he was quoting the Old Testament, he's explaining what it truly means and is reality. Human relationships. Human relationship. Human relationship. Look at what look at what Jesus will say. Look, look 13. I won't read. I have 1 Timothy 5, 17, 18. I won't read it. So that you, you say, oh, Pastor is oh, he's talking about himself. I won't read it. So you don't worry, I won't read it. You know what is there. I won't read it. 
I'm reading Luke 13, 15 to 16. Let's go. The Lord then answered him and said, what? Hypocrite. Does not each one, everybody say each one. Each one of you what? On the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And or donkey mm -hmm. from the store and lead it away to water it. Uh -huh. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, think of it, for 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. You see, Paul was talking like Jesus. You see, the Pharisees, they care for donkeys. And yet, when a woman is healed on a Sabbath day, they say it's sin. So they care to see their donkeys well. And yet, that human being die. And God is pleased. Ah. Or say, oh, you've done well. Jesus said, you are getting it all twisted. The rest of God, the Sabbath, is not for donkeys. It's for the rest of humanity. So God came down. To bring man rest. Not donkeys. When man has rest. With true understanding. They will take care of donkeys. It's not the other way. Praise God. He would even give an example. Look at Matthew 6.30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God's focus is on you. David will say, who is man, O oh God, that you are so mindful of him? So he wants your focus to be on others. How are you thinking about your brother? I'll come to it. If you're a Christian, and you can call somebody, this guy I hate. I doubt you. You have not come into a place of understanding. Or you say, this guy is my enemy. Really? And you think God comes from your village. That the one you hate, God also hates. You say, really? Yes, I will bless those days and I will curse them. Look at, look at what they are saying. Misinterpreting scripture. So he told Abraham, I will bless them that bless you. 
and I'll curse them that curse you. He's quoting scripture to support it. So God will curse because they hate me. The one God told that Abraham, they took his wealth from him seven times. He didn't curse them. It's a selfish man that speaks in that way because you don't understand your true nature. Praise God. Are you here with me today? Say God focuses on man. Look, Jesus said another one. Luke 11, 13. Everybody read. If you then, being what? evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? His best. Yes. His best. The Holy Spirit. His best. His light. He gives it to us. For free. For free. For free. For free. This morning, you have a responsibility towards God, but it will be seen by your workings with man. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility on this earth. Through us, men will see God. Through us, men will see God. Through us, men will know God. Men will recognize God. They may not appreciate it, but it doesn't change you from being you. They may show ingratitude, but it doesn't change you from being you. They may not accept you, it doesn't change you from being you. Even Jesus, they rejected him. They did. Praise God. Have you learned something today? Rise to your feet and begin to pray. Rise to your feet. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come